Well, according to polls and according to research, people that we live around aren't really very sure about the church, and they're not really very sure about Christians either. But this they are willing, this is they're willing to listen to, uh, this they're willing to pay attention to, are, are people who, who live the Jesus way, who do the things that Jesus did, people in our world are still willing to listen to that. I, I met a guy like this not too long ago. I was, I was buying gas, and I was doing what I do when I buy gas. I was getting a little trash out of my car and throwing it away. And this guy, I heard him say, so are you religious? Because I had a piece of paper that had something on it. And I looked over, and there was a guy standing there who had this uh, beautiful, old, restored 1948 Ford pickup truck, white. He was about the age of his truck, I think. Um, and, and, uh, and he had this uh, beautiful, blonde, long hair. And it was way down his back, like in a ponytail. It was just remarkable uh, character of a guy. And we talked a little bit, and he said, so you're, you're religious? I go, well, I'm a Christian. He said, yeah, that's cool. I, I've read about Jesus. I, and he said, with no, with no intent to be unkind, he said, I've always thought it would be really cool if, you know, Christians would, would, you know, live like Jesus and if they would act like Jesus and they would do the stuff that Jesus did. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> I've been working on this Jesus follower for a long time. Obviously not as long as you have, but, you know, for a long time. That guy, uh, he haunted me. He wasn't mean. He wasn't unkind. What's interesting is there was a, uh, there was a pastor of one of the greatest churches ever, who wrote a book who said almost the exact same thing, James. In James in chapter 1, if, you, if you're new, we're in a series of messages on the book of James, and, it's called, and the series is called Real Faith, Genuine Faith, Real Jesus People, Real Jesus Followers, Sincere, Not Hypocritical, Do What Jesus Does, Live Like Jesus Taught kind of people. And James has said, real faith is going to be tried, and it endures trials. And James has said, real faith is going to be tempted, and it resists temptation. And today, in this section of James in chapter 1, we're going to see that, that J- Pastor James is going to agree with my, my, my long-haired uh, friend, and that is, Christians should act like Christians. They should act like Jesus. And, and, and real faith, it's visible and it's active. Let's take a look at the text. It's in the book of James, in your Bible, chapter 1, and verses 19 through 26. And to pick up a little bit of an idea, we're going to back up to the 18th verse and read from 18 to 26. Then we're going to go through it again. And I want to show you th- two things that you can do without real faith and one thing that proves you do have real faith. Verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, of his own will, of his own will. He brought us forth by by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. 
For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what it was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and and widows in their affliction and, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. (laughs) Can you imagine how hard the week has been for me? If you know anything about me, I've had all week to have to meditate on this. Let everyone be quick to hear and slow to speak. Like, seriously, it's been killing me all week. If you saw my report cards when I was a kid, it would, it would say, Kenny needs to learn to raise his hand when he talks. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny talks too much. Uh, Kenny still talks uh, too much. Uh, so, and, and, and have you ever said the wrong thing at the time? I was a disciple at one time, and he was a deer hunter. And uh, it's a bow hunting season. He said, dear, I'll call you. We'll call off the, the meeting. But, but he didn't get a hold of me in time. So when I got to his house that night in uh, central Ohio in, in October, he had a big buck hanging in his driveway. And, I, and I, when I saw it, I, I went up the steps and into his house. And as soon as they opened the door and I walked in, his name was Cliff. I go, Cliff, I see you got Bambi out there. And when I said that, he has a little daughter named Tori, about three years old. She starts wailing, crying. And she's just crying, sobbing. And he, he, drag, he takes her off to the back room. And then he comes back and he goes, we just spent 30 minutes trying to convince her that deer was not Bambi. <laughs> and then you walk in and go, well, I see you shot Bambi. Now, the, the text in James isn't really talking about those kinds of mistakes that we all make. It, it probably really is in the context here, especially of, you know, when you're tempted to be angry, you should, and, and, there, and at all times, one should think before one speaks. Whether or not it's apparent, I have thought a lot about what I'm talking about right now before I say it. You say, he talks fast. I think really fast, too. So, I try to think about what I say before I say it. This is what James is saying. People should think, and they should, they should listen first, and, then, and they should be especially slow to anger. And then the text says, because the anger of man doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. And, and we all ought to stop at that for a while and think about that, because we're tempted to believe that if we put a little torque on things, that we get things going and we accomplish good things, you can't sin to get people to not sin. That's what he's saying. And that's why it says, know this, and he uses this endearing term because he's a good pastor. My beloved brothers, it's boys and girls too. 
Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be, measure what you say before you speak, and the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And then he says, and put away filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, this is the first uh, of three paragraphs here. And each paragraph, I think, is kind of a main idea. The main idea in the first paragraph that we just read is that real Christians, real Jesus followers, they, they don't just say Christian things. They don't just talk Christian. They receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to con- save their souls. And this is right after, in verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth with the word of truth. Listen carefully. You, you might be a good guy, a good lady, pretty moral, pretty decent, pretty nice, pretty interesting, pretty colorful, and, and really on your way to hell without God, right? Unless you've had the miracle of the new birth, but the word of God, the truth that came from the word of God, did a miraculous work in you, and you realized that you were lost. In other words, that you were, that you were uh, a, a, an enemy of God under your sins, uh, a guilty, and, and guilty, and the, the just wrath of God was on you, and you realized there was no way that you could be good enough to, you know, kind of make up for the bad things that you, you've done. And you heard the truth, the good news, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins, and, tr- and you trusted him, then you're, you might be a decent person, but on your way into eternity without God. Listen, this is important. If you're here, and you, and you haven't yet come to follow Jesus, can I, can I just ask you to come follow him, trust him, get into a gospel conversation with somebody years ago? Years ago, my, my boy came home from work, and he goes, there's this guy it, 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 that I work with, and um, he is uh, not a church guy. He'll tell you that. He says, I'm not a church guy. I don't like churchy people. He say that all the time. Kind of weird thing to say to a pastor, you know. I don't like churchy people. I'm like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> like, he would say that a lot. And then my son would say, but he, he's got a big heart, and he, he's got two girls, and he loves them so much. And I want you to stay in touch with him. And I did. Not, not too long after that, maybe a few years, I got to baptize that guy and his wife and his two girls. And one of them just sang to us. Yeah, that's cool, right? And she's a real Christian. And she wants people to know her about her Jesus. Are you a real Christian? Have you... Have you said, Jesus, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I've looked at your word. We're going to get to that in a minute. I've looked at your word. I see what I'm like, and, and I repent. I, I confess, and I want to follow you. Do what you do, God, you know? So listen, that's what I'm, that's what I'm challenging you to think about before we go on. This, this thing of James, it isn't just like a do-gooder book, do these things. You can't do these things unless you have supernatural help. And if you did do them kind of a little bit, it wouldn't be enough to undo all the mess you've made from the things that you've done. Isn't that true? So in that first section, it's important for us to see that real faith, real Jesus following, isn't just saying stuff. Now, now sometimes we think, well, maybe it's like going to a lot of lectures. I mean, you are listening to one right now. And sure, it seems, too, like church people, they talk a lot and they go to lots of lectures. You know, they, they go to meetings, and people talk about Jesus. They, they talk about Jesus, and they listen about Jesus a lot. 
And, and, and James, Pastor James is going to say, no, no, it's, real faith is more than just talking. And real faith is more than just listening. Listen to what he says in verse 22. And in it, he's going to use a, a picture like our brother did, the same picture our brother showed us in the film. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, here, here comes the picture. He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. It's kind of comical. Uh, let's, let's say it's Father's Day, and you, um, you got a nice brat on the grill with some ketchup and mustard and onions and relish, which is the right way to eat this stuff. Plenty of mustard there, and you got your new Father's Day shirt. You like my shirt? You got your new shirt on. You're feeling fine. Take a big bite, get a splotch of mustard right on your shirt right there. Big old blotch of mustard. And you look like an idiot. And, and, and you go and you look in the mirror and you go, oh, I got mustard on my shirt. <laughs> then you don't do anything about it. Your wife is going to say, what is the point of having a mirror if you're not going to get the mustard off of your shirt? James is saying, this is powerful. Our brother said it in the video. The word is like a mirror of our soul. And when you look at it, it's going to tell you when you've got mustard on your soul. <laughs> it's going to tell you, hey, you got, you got some stuff that needs to be changed right there. You aren't patient with your wife. You get up in the morning all innocent, brew some coffee, get your Bible open, and 15 minutes later, you're under conviction like, I have been impatient with her. Where did that come from? And then if you just go, oh, well, never mind, you know, and you forget about it, you're a forgetful hearer of the word and not a doer. Real Christians, what do they do? They get the word, they look in the word, and the word is like a mirror for their soul. And that's a good thing. It tells you, that word will tell you what you really like. That word is telling some of you right now, you're not even a Jesus follower. That word is telling some of you right now, it's like you, you say one thing and you do another for some of us, you know, we look in the Word, and, it, and it's like the guy with the 48 pickup would never see Jesus in us. It's kind of serious. And early on, you know, he says, uh, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. It's like, like, like cast it off. My son Kyle, our oldest, he's a pastor now. He was a little baby, and, and Lois would get him ready for uh, Sunday school. I always loved it when she would bathe him. And then she would always, on Saturday night before church, then she would, like, bring him in. And his hair, like, would stand up like corn silk. It's really dark, thick. He's got a man bun now, a big old beard, you know. But, but back then, his hair would stand up like corn silk. And it was so soft, and he smelled so sweet. You just put your, your nose up to his head, and you'd smell him after he got all cleaned up, you know. A few years later, he got a job with a dairy farmer at our church. I love that because he'd get up early in the morning and work hard, you know, out on the farm. And he'd go out there and he would milk cows. And then we would come home. You could smell him a mile away because, you know, that was good, honest work. And the clothes, you know, you, a wise dairy farmer, you can ask Merle, he'll, he'll tell you about this, probably takes the, the clothes off and leaves them out in the, out in the, uh, in the mud room because that 
that good old honest barn smell kind of clings to those clothes. James is saying, what, you know, take anything that's filthy and, and wicked and, and, and put it off and throw it away. I'm going to help you look in the Word, and it will tell you those things. And real Christians are people who look in the mirror of the Word regularly, and then they do something about it. And they can do something about it. Praise be unto God. This is really hopeful. Then he says in verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, can expect to be blessed in his doing. What if I said to you, God's eager to bless you. Anybody in? Raise your hand. Yeah. You you should have raised your hand right then. Just saying. (laughs) Nobody's going to accuse you of being charismatic. (laughs) Hands are safely in the lap right there. Yeah. So so it's like, how many of you would love to be blessed? Lord, yeah, I'm in. Bless me, God. Okay. Here's what you do. You read the Bible, and then you do what it says. And the Spirit will empower you. If this, this is implied, is that you are a believer, Spirit of God lives in you, you have a heart for God, you love the things of God, you want your life to be like Jesus, you want to say Jesus things, you want to do Jesus things, you want to really be a Jesus follower, then you look at the Word, and the Word tells you when you have mustard on your soul, and you say, okay, I'm going to cast that off. And he says, the person then who in faith acts in obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, will be blessed in what he does. It's not like you have to do something big. Just whatever he tells you, just do it. It might just be quietly asking your wife's forgiveness for being owly with her. It might be, I, I, I found last night some letters my dad wrote me when I was a boy. I, I had no idea until I was an adult what a great, what a great dad God gave me. He, he was right in this letter. He actually, actually put it on Facebook, wrote me in 1970s when I was a kid. And, and my dad was um, watching me go to try to get a job. And he was pr- sitting in the car. Can you imagine this? I've seen boys out there working to get a job and nobody was helping them, right? My dad sat in the car and prayed for me while I was trying to get a job. And his heart was breaking for me because he wrote it in a letter. And he must have been correcting me for something. I can't imagine I actually did anything bad. But he probably was confused about that. And, but there was something there. You could tell by the nature of the letter that he had corrected me. And he was hoping that he didn't hurt me in that correction. And he was telling me he was proud of me. And he was just being a good dad. So reading that, so reading that letter, seeing uh, there that my, my dad wanted me to walk with the Lord, wanted me to be a real Christian. I was sitting at my desk one day, and I got a phone call from an attorney. Uh, he said, uh, is this pastor of named the church? Yes, sir. He said, I'm in Grand Rapids. I'm an attorney. He said, I'm a Christian. Um, and he said, I'm a member of, and he named a good church, kind of like our church, same like thing. He says, I was at McDonald's on Alpine today, and he said, there were a bunch of kids in the McDonald's, and they were just rude, and they were impolite, and they were discourteous, and they were loud, and they were obnoxious, and they made a mess, and they, they didn't clean it up, and they had a water fight and a food fight, and they left it all behind, and then they left the McDonald's, and they went out and got on a van, and it said the name of your church. And I said, who has been borrowing our church van? Like, 
Like, I was like, God's oh, not good. I read a book recently. A fellow said he was a youth pastor. He got a, he got a letter from a girl that worked at Dairy Queen who said, I don't want to shock you, but I'm a member of your church, but I haven't gone for years because I'm an atheist. And I'm an atheist because I've all my life heard people talk about what Jesus people are supposed to be like, but they just aren't. And you guys came in after the youth group the other night, and you left salt on the table, and you were rude to everybody, and that's why I'm an atheist. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, that's not fair. I know a lot of people that do a lot of good things. I get it. I know that's true. The irony is our kids that were getting on that van, they were working hard to raise $10,000 so they could go to Brazil on a short-term missions trip. You're like, save the money and just go back to McDonald's and be nice to people. And I'm happy to report to you that a number of those kids that were on that van today have grown up under the Word and going to camp, and they're walking with the Lord today, and they're, they're decent, honorable citizens, right? But we have to hear from the world when they say, your Jesus sounds really interesting, and if you would act like him, I would appreciate it. I would admire it. I might even join you. Now, that's what the, that's what the old hippie with the Ford truck and the, and the beautiful ponytail said. And, and that's what Pastor James also said. And that is Christians should, should not just talk and not just hear, listen to lectures, but they should act. Real faith is visible and active. That's the big idea, by the way. Listen, verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious, he doesn't bottle his tongue, he diseases his heart. And the person's religion is worthless. James gets out a couple things kind of subtly here, if any of this is subtle. He's, he's, he's basically saying real faith is it's an inside thing and it's an outside thing. He's always talking about inward things, you know, wickedness and, 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 and rampant wickedness and, and filthiness and having a defiled heart and a tongue that betrays its heart. You know, somebody said the tongue is the dipstick of the heart. He's saying if you're a real Christian, you're a real Christian inside. But you're not just a real Christian inside. If you're a real Christian, if your faith is real, it's an outside thing too. Not just what you say, not just what you hear, but it's what you do, how you behave, showing who you really are. That's the idea. Who you really are is going to come out in how you behave. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bottle his tongue, he deceives his heart. His, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is to, to visit orphans and widows in, affli- in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's outward, it's inward. You see that? It's real. And James is just appealing for people's faith to be real, for our faith to be real. Now, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but there's a little structure of what I'm telling you here today. I started by kind of in weaving into the exposition of this text, you know, some stories about, they're really not really happy stories. They're, they're stories of Christians that were, well, imperfect or maybe even hypocritical. And I think it would be a really good idea if all of us would just simply, can I just say this humbly? And we should probably all to admit to a bit of hypocrisy. All of us. This is a man who studied, who's very like extrovert, and studied about being slow to speak all week. So I'm confessing. I mean, here's the difference between an extrovert and an introvert. 
when an extrovert has his microphone on like I did today, and they don't turn it off during the praise team, and he hears his own voice, he's like, awesome, I'm on the praise team today. An introvert, like his wife, might lean over and go, your microphone is on, you need to be quiet. (laughs) It's totally the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. I'm like, my microphone is on, I'm on the praise team. I didn't even have to practice. I know what you're thinking. You think it was especially beautiful today. It's like angelic. <laughs> Tim, Tim Stevens has written some pretty interesting books. In, in one of them, he says about Christians taking the reality of their faith out, like to orphans or widows or, or, or groups that are oppressed or hurt or weak. God doesn't live at your church. It's true. Some of the most unspiritual people I have met are those who spend the greatest amounts of time at church. They attend every Bible study, every prayer gathering, sign up for every event and every team, but they still manage to avoid becoming godly or even nice to be around. I know what you're thinking. Ouch. Stay with me. I'm your friend. If you had to choose between cutting off your leg and spending time with people like that, let's be honest, you take a few minutes to decide. Church attendance and involvement are poor substitutes for genuine spiritual growth. You and I both know there are people who can hang around church for years and it never really gets to them. They're still mean or owly or impure or, and they've heard it all. Bob Goff has written a book. It's a, it's a great book. It's full of stories. I like books like that. The, the book is called, you know, Love Does. Love Does. That's the new book, yeah. His old book is Love Does. Love Does. What he's saying is, love does. He says we have too many Bible studies and not, as, not enough Bible doings. He says we should probably have more Bible doings than Bible studies. Our discipleship process that we have here is built around the idea that we're followers of Jesus. We don't just talk about him. We don't just hear lectures about him. We look at his life and his commands, and we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit, and we do Jesus things. That's what we do. And I want want to report to you that I've had help in this, but we have noticed some Jesus things being done around here. A lot of them. This didn't happen around here, but I was watching a an interview this week, uh, a man who was falsely accused of a crime down in Alabama, and he went and he was on death row, and Oprah Winfrey was, was uh, interviewing this guy. And, and uh, Brian Stevenson's uh, group, uh, I think it's Justice Initiative or something like that, they discovered his story. He didn't have adequate legal counsel. They discovered his story that he was falsely accused, that he had an airtight alibi, like there was like... <laughs> DNA evidence that he was not guilty and, they, and he never had the money to defend himself so he's on death row for 30 years and, and Brian Stevenson and his group was able to come represent him and, and, and the guy get to, got to walk out after 30 years on death row and tons of the interview were fascinating but the part that fascinated me maybe the most was a story that he told about a guy his name was Anthony Ray Hinton and his friend, he had a friend whose name was Lester. He was 30 years in prison, and his friend Lester lived 260 miles away, one way. And he worked midnights. He worked 11 to 7. And every single week 
For 30 years, Lester visited Anthony Ray Hinton on death row every single week at his own expense, driving hours each way. Something about the smallest deed is better than the grandest intention. Uh, I understand you had an initiative here in the church before, like uh, given a, like a service tile to folk who served. And that's good. And God sees and he knows every secret good deed. And he's promised to reward every secret good deed. And, and, and here are some things that we've noticed here. People helping pastors when they move. I've seen that done and I've been the recipient of that. People visiting shut-ins. If I was a shut-in, I would want to be a shut-in from Bethel because the Bethel visitation team is serious about what they do, not just talking. Members that send birthday cards for shut-ins and and birthday cards and communications to missionaries. Ruth Morris, who recently was one of our members and passed away, in in her obituary it says she was a part of the PEO sisterhood. I thought that was kind of cute. I thought, what's the PEO sisterhood? At her funeral, I said, it kind of like, sounds like a shadowy secret organization. <laughs> Truth is, it wasn't shadowy, but it was secret because based on the teaching of Jesus, these ladies want to do good works without advertising. And she had many hardships in her life, which required her to work outside the home as well as raise her, her family. And she was concerned, and her friends, her, her lady friends were concerned that there would be many other women who would need to have access to education, and they wouldn't have the money for it. And so the, the philanthropic educational organization was a secret organization of women helping other women get an education. Sounds kind of Jesus-y to me. S- making meals for people that are housebound, arranging and cooking funeral dinners, mowing lawns when people can't, making little wooden airplanes to give out, giving out mints to kids coming early to make coffee staying late to clean up after the coffee making wooden pens for visitors and for veterans golfing or fishing with people who need a friend who need jesus making and donating toys for children around the world giving money to a woman who needs legal help listening to people who are hurt buying groceries for people who are hungry making backpacks for backpacks for kids to return to school who might not have adequate school supplies helping people who aren't good at fixing their own cars, making plumbing repairs for widows or others who are bad at plumbing, planting plants and flowers and pulling weeds, Sunday school children and teaching Sunday school and teaching youth in Awana and helping in meals and picking up people and taking them to church and visiting men in men's homes and helping helping sharpen mower blades and decorating the church and helping set up and clean up and repair the building and volunteering to help with Christian camping or sewing and donating curtains for cabins at camp or sending kids to camp or helping prepare cabins for campers at camp. I was, I was a camper first like 51 summers ago at Lincoln Lake Baptist Youth Camp and one of our granddaughters went to Lincoln Lake this week. 51 years later, who would have thought it? Somebody's been volunteering to keep those places going for a half a century so little girls can hear the life-changing story about Jesus. I love that. Getting up early on Saturdays, week after week, to pray. Visiting people who are discouraged or drifting away. 
loving people that others try to avoid, helping clean up flooded basements, baking pies for Father's Day. <laughs> baking pies for Father's Day. Did I, did I mention baking pies? I wanted to balance what I said last week a little bit. So there you go. You have uh, in James, he just says, real Christians find a group that's vulnerable like widows or orphans or, or maybe like abused women or maybe like boys who just don't have dads around. We had a kid. His name was Nick. He was orphaned twice. He was orphaned, so he was adopted. He's a Korean boy. He's adopted, and then his, his dad died, so he's orphaned twice. And then his family came to know the Lord, and they came to our church. And he loved sports, but he wasn't really that good at it, but he loved it. So you, we put him on the church softball team, and he, he was awful. And, uh, but he was eager, and he, he had the uniform and the hat and the shoes and everything, and they put him in a position where he could do the least damage. When he got up to bat, everybody just kind of crossed their fingers, held their breath, prayed, I think some guys cross themselves. I don't know. You know, they just like, he's up to bat. One day, um, he, he almost accidentally, the bat hit the ball, and he ran to first, and he got there fast, really fast. We kind of noticed, wow, Nick is fast. And, and they would come in, you know, they would do like, when he'd come up to bat, they would, they would call everybody in. Sometimes they would do it really rude, like, come on in, guys, come on, let's go, come on in, I can't hit, you know which is really Christian, you know, come on in, yeah. Guys would come in, the outfielders would be playing on the edge of the infield. Nick got up one time, and all the, all the men of the church were standing up at the fence watching Nick get to bat, and I was there the night that he swung the bat, and he hit a little blooper, but it went over the right fielder's head because he was playing in too tight, and Nick was fast, and he literally ran all the way around and scored a home run and the church went crazy and I sat there and I thought this is the church at its best when a fatherless boy has all the dads in the church to stand up and say that was an awesome home run when we get to see stuff like that then we're we're glad we're Christians I know a guy who he took all the fatherless boys in the church and he invited them over for really expensive steaks he made them steaks French silk pie just a tremendous expensive meal. And he, and he made those steaks for these boys, and then when they were sitting around the table, he said to them, okay, the reason I made you these steaks and I invited you over tonight is because you don't have a dad. And sometimes when you don't have a dad, you probably just think, I wish I knew how to do that, but my dad never taught me. Or I wish I knew how to fix that, but I have no idea because I didn't have a dad. And whenever you think, you know, I don't know what, how to make that decision because I don't have a dad, Here's what I want you to do, he said. I want you to call me, because in my pocket, I have a list of men from the church, and church guys can do anything. We got a guy in our church that can do anything. Somebody. We got plumbers and electricians and educators and farmers. We got guys and gals in our church that can do anything. So you call me, he said, and I'll get you in touch with them. Now that is what the Jesus follower church should look like. And here's the thing I want to say. This text, James, is, he's kind of got an attitude, and it's pretty negative. But I, I can tell you this. What's behind all of that is James is saying, it's not just you should be like Jesus. James is saying, 
You can be like Jesus. You can be a group of people that's devoted to the Jesus way, that acts like Jesus acted, that does the kind of things that Jesus does. And there are going to be lots of people around who are going to want to be around people who are real Christians like that. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to pray. It's Father's Day. You need to go home and be good to your, your father if you got him, the men of your church. If you need somebody to pray with you, encourage you, if you'd like to have a bit of a gospel conversation with somebody we have folk up here that'll pray with you um before you go men you want to get your piece of of strawberry homemade strawberry rhubarb pie rhubarb grown right in the home at the homes of the bethel people i love my church and um, let's pray all right jesus we thank you today for the men the godly men that you put into our lives men that followed you men that wept at the right things and laughed at the right things and and, and they grieved at, at the right things. And they're, we, we love them because they were like you. And we want to be like you. Every one of us, men, women, and children, help us, I pray today, that we would, in the power of the Holy Spirit, be not just people who hear and not just people who talk, but people who, out of the deepest part of our hearts, we do, we're, we're, we do Jesus' things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.